What goes up? Boy, Marie! Boy, Strictly American. Time now for Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. Here with all his skips, scratches, and pops is my dad, Frank Vaccarello. Thanks, sweetie. And thank you for tuning in to episode 162 of Spinning My Dad's Vinyl. And happy birthday to my sister. She and her husband are regular listeners of the show because she likes to listen to her dad's vinyl, too. Here's someone I mention often when I tell you who wrote a song. In fact, he's one of the most popular songwriters of all time. He even sang in a few recordings, too. Many of the songs you will hear on this episode you may recognize as being sung by a popular female vocalist, but this is all Bert. He wrote the music, he arranged it, and conducted the orchestra. He also plays the piano. So... Get ready to hear music that's all about one guy in volume 162, Bert Conducts Bacharach.
Bert Bacharach conducting a studio orchestra with Reach Out For Me. Okay, why this record for this episode? Well, what good family record collection from the 1960s and 70s did not have something from Burt Bacharach? He sold over 2 million albums around the world, and the music he wrote and then was recorded by others sold untold millions more. But it was interesting that my dad only had one Bacharach album, which makes me have a suspicion that it really was my mom's. Plus, this gives me an opportunity to make good on a promise from quite a while ago. I know I said about 60 episodes ago that I'd eventually talk about a book in more detail. Now is the opportunity, and I'll explain in this episode's interesting side note. And no matter how much I listen to this album, I keep thinking I'm going to soon be hearing the voice of Dionne Warwick, since she recorded her own versions of five of the seven songs on this episode, like this next one.
There's a Song that was nominated for Best Song Oscar for its appearance in the movie of the same name, Alfie. Okay, let me tell you about my dad's vinyl I have chosen for this episode. Burt Bacharach, Reach Out, on the AM Records label, number SP4131. It's a vinyl LP album stereo format. It was released in 1967. Its genre is jazz, and its style is easy listening. We will hear seven of the 11 songs on this record. Now, the liner notes are odd and printed in a weird angle. One online critic called them overblown. They are written by former Beatles publicist Derek Taylor. Now, I'm only going to read a couple of early lines, then the last couple of short paragraphs. If you love not tall pines which touch the beginnings of the sky, if you have never yearned to leap a mailbox nor longed to join the street urchins in a game of tag... You kind of get the idea of why the critic called them overblown. They keep going along that line. But here are a couple of good lines near the end. From Hollywood to New York, across to Europe and the British Isles in military camps and in brutally sophisticated nightclubs, he built upon his formal training as a pianist by adding technique and style and charm. As a songwriter, he decided to create tunes people could hum. And by now, few singers anywhere in the world haven't sung them. On this album, his first for A&M Records, with whom he has a close and vastly rewarding relationship, he has written, arranged, assembled all 11 songs, conducted the orchestra, and produced the entire album. And because he knows there is nothing you can do that can't be done, he has played piano on all of the tracks and sang on one of them. Okay, let's see what prices this record is being sold at on Discogs.com. $8 for the high and a 20 cent low for a 322 average and a 262 median. It was last sold on September 17th, 2023 for $1.99. I found copies on eBay from $5 to $7. I found a couple on Amazon from $14 to $24. Now, my dad's record is in fair condition. Not much crackling, although a couple of soft tunes like Alfie have a little bit more popping to it. The album surface is really, really clean, probably because the original internal paper sleeve is still attached to this set. The album cover is also in great condition. It is still very white, and there is no real wear or tear on the edges. There are, once again, no markings on the back or his ever-present address label on the front probably meaning more that it was in my mom's collection. And according to the same online critic, this is an underrated album from this musical genius. So I'll value my dad's vinyl at two bucks. Okay, now time to send a message.
there was message to Michael. Now, we only have enough time to just take a quick glance at the life of this composer, arranger, conductor, producer, and musician. Bert Freeman Bacharach was born in Kansas City, Missouri on May 12, 1928. The son of a nationally syndicated columnist, Bert Bacharach, spelled with an E, Bert, the one we know, spelled with a U, moved with his family in 1932 to Kew Gardens in Queens, New York. At his mother's insistence, he studied cello, drums, and then piano beginning at the age of 12. Bert hated taking piano lessons. His dream was to play professional football, but his size, or lack thereof, kept him out of that field, or I should say, off that field. As a teenager, Bacharach fell in love with jazz and sometimes used a fake ID to sneak into 52nd Street nightclubs to see bebop legends like Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker. Bebop's unconventional harmonies and melodies became a major influence on the young composer. When he was 15, Bacharach started a 10-piece band with his high school classmates. With Bert on piano, the group gained exposure playing parties and dances. After graduating from Forest Hills High School, Bacharach enrolled in the music studies program at McGill University in Montreal. It was there that Bert says he wrote his first song, The Night Plane to Heaven. While serving as a dance band arranger with the Army in Germany, Bacharach met vocalist Vic Damone. After their discharge at the age of 24, Bacharach became Damone's piano accompanist. In 1957, Bacharach collaborated for the first time with lyricist Hal David, whom he had met while both worked at the famous Paramount Music Company in New York's legendary Brill Building. The pair struck gold almost immediately with hits for Marty Robbins and Perry Como. From 1958 to 61, Burt toured Europe and America as musical director for Marlene Dietrich. It was at a drifter's session that Bacharach met Marie Dionne Warwick, a member of backup vocal group The Gospelaires. It soon became apparent that Warwick possessed a remarkable ability to navigate even the most difficult of Bacharach's melodies and tempos. She began cutting demo records for Bacharach and David, who went on to write and produce 20 top 40 hits for Warwick over the next 10 years, seven of which went top 10. Through his wife, screen star Angie Dickinson, whom he married in 1966 and divorced in 1980, Bacharach moved into film scores. His credits include the title song to Alfie, a hit for Celia Black and Dionne Warwick, and film scores for What's New Pussycat. Its title song was a top five hit for Tom Jones in 1965, also after The Fox, and Casino Royale, which introduced The Look of Love, not to mention Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which spawned the number one hit, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head, and earned Bacharach a pair of Oscars, Best Score and Best Theme Song, as well as a Grammy for Best Score. Burt Bacharach died February 8, 2023, at the age of 94. Uh, by the way, Casino Royale, the 1967, not 2006 version, was a great movie whose title track was recorded by Herb Alpert. Okay, now here is that Oscar-nominated song from that old Bond movie. Bye. 
The Look of Love. Time now for this episode's interesting side note. And it has to do with a book I've mentioned a couple times before. I've even promised that I would talk more in depth about the book and the building it's written about. Burt Bacharach is a big part of that building's history. In the heart of the music industry's golden era on Broadway in New York City, the Brill Building stood as a hub of creativity, birthing some of the most iconic tunes of the time. Always Magic in the Air by Ken Emerson is a captivating journey through the vibrant world of the Brill Building, offering a backstage pass to the golden age of music. Emerson skillfully unveils the tales of creativity, collaboration, and innovation that shaped an era. Central to this narrative is the enigmatic Burt Bacharach, a maestro whose musical prowess echoed through the hallways of the Brill Building. The book paints a vivid picture of how music was not just composed, but intricately woven into the fabric of cultural history. It's a melodic odyssey that celebrates the magic of collaboration, with Bacharach's pivotal role in the building's musical tapestry taking center stage. Bacharach's influence on the Brill Building's history was nothing short of legendary. His unique approach to songwriting and composition set him apart, making him a central figure in the bustling creative hive. However, his impact didn't stop at creating music. It extended to nurturing new talent. One of the pivotal moments in the building's history was when Bacharach crossed paths with Dionne Warwick. Their meeting with Serendipitous, a fateful collision of two incredible talents. Bacharach recognized Warwick's potential, and their collaboration became a cornerstone of music history. Together, they crafted a string of hits that would resonate for generations, solidifying their places in the pantheon of musical greats. The Brill Building, through the lens of Always Magic in the Air, becomes a vivid backdrop to the symphony of creativity orchestrated by Bacharach and his contemporaries. By the way, those contemporaries are pretty big names themselves. Not only was there Burt's writing partner Hal David, but there were other teams like Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller, Neil Sedaka and Howard Greenfield, Carol King and Jerry Goffin, Barry Mann and Cynthia Wheel, Jeff Berry and Ellie Greenwich, and a pair I mention often on this show, Doc Pomus and Mort Schumann. And if you're a fan of music history and the behind-the-scenes magic that gave birth to timeless classics, Emerson's exploration of the Bill Building is a must-read symphony of storytelling. While this is no way anywhere close to a full description of this book, it gives you an idea of why I liked the book so much and why Bacharach was so important in the building's history. I highly recommend this book to true music lovers to learn about the assembly line producing music was at that time in history. Okay, once again, don't wait for a familiar female voice on this one.
I say a little prayer. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. The music this artist wrote and produced is still heard and is still being used all over the world. For example, did you know that the 1983 hit from Naked Eyes, There's Always Something There to Remind Me, was written by Bacharach? It was first released by Lou Johnson in 1964, and of course, Warwick did a version in 1968. In fact, lots of artists like that song, as it was recorded over 170 times. The latest was by an orchestra whose name I can't pronounce in 2021. And taking this album out also made me revisit this great Ken Emerson book that I shared a summary of. Always Music in the Air, The Bomp and Brilliance of the Brill Building Era. It explains a lot about how music was produced in the 1950s through 1970s. And now, I had a hard time deciding between two songs to finish the show, so I chose both of them.
spinning my dad's vinyl. That was Bond Street. And before that, we heard What the World Needs Now is Love. And there you have selections from one of the most prolific songwriters in music history conducting his own arrangements. So thanks for tuning into Volume 162, Bert Conducts Baccarat, however you did. If you want more information about this show, head over to spinningmydadsvinyl.com. I'll be back next week with all my skips, scratches, and pops for a very special Volume 163, 100 Years of Rhapsody. Until then, go with the flow, my friends. (laughs) ¶¶